0: Mindfulness Mode 429.
1: None of us are our sexuality. However, I think we can also understand that that is a a key component to just who we are.
0: Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on today's Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks always for being a listener and an awesome Mindful Tribe member. Do you ever have trouble falling asleep or you wish you could sleep more soundly? I have a sleep meditation that I've recorded and you can get this sleep meditation for free. And you know what? It is such a stress if you're not sleeping well or if you have trouble falling asleep. I've been there I've had those nights when my mind just didn't shut off. With this meditation that I've recorded, it will help you fall asleep. And I've had so much positive feedback that people have said, Yeah, Bruce, it really works. It's helped me immensely. So you can download this free audio recording at mindfulnessmode.com sleep. I've been telling you lately about the work we're doing here to set up a group for you, a group where you can learn more about mindfulness and you can download some of my favorite tools to help with some of life's challenges. There'll be free meditations there. There'll be a way to interact with other people who are, who are working on improving their mindfulness levels and I'm very excited about it. We've made some really exciting progress in the last two days. I'd love to tell you all about it, but I promise to hold off until the launch work is completely ready. So stay tuned and I'll tell you about it in the upcoming episodes. Today, speaking of episodes, today I'm talking with a warm, heart-centered woman who's helped hundreds and hundreds of people move forward in their lives. She is truly a gem, I'm telling you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy my talk today with Kim O'Neill. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have Kim O'Neill here, and she is such a great pleasure to have on the show. Hey, Kim, are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: I am, and I'm excited to be in Mindfulness Mode.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here on the show. I was on Kim's show recently, and that was a lot of fun. It was really exciting. Kim is such a great mindfulness advocate, and I want to share a little bit about you, Kim, with Mindful Tribe. Kim O'Neill is an empowerment and interview confidence coach for heart-centered professionals. She hosts the uh, podcast called Every Day is a New Day, and it is so refreshing. You've got to check out that show. She's also a best-selling author of two books, and uh, just recently, her second book, You Are Loved, came out. Its subtitle is An Inspired Meditative Visual Journey. And it is a beautiful book with beautiful pictures. I do not have one in my hand right now, but I would love to. And we're going to be talking about the book. Now, Kim is an inspirational speaker, and she reminds audiences when she's on the stage about the importance of knowing who you are, the informational value of your emotions, and how to move forward when you're not sure how to do it more self-love, confidence and bravery are just some of the results that our clients achieve so so Kim, what does mindfulness mean to you?
1: My answer today is different than what it used to be. so my answer today is that mindfulness is about being present. It's about being present with my thoughts, with my being, and it's easy. It's in a relaxed state of allowing and observing. What I used to believe is I used to believe it was more of a forced thing. Oh, I have to be, I have to be aware of my thoughts and I have to control them. And it was this, this more rigid forced activity that I thought you engaged in. And I've learned it's not, it's, uh, you don't have to, we don't have to be so hard on ourselves. And uh, mindfulness is a great way to actually start to integrate more ease into our thought processes. So that's my take on it.
0: That's that's interesting you say that because I think as adults, we overthink so many things. I was just with a, a group of little children yesterday teaching mindfulness. And with them, it just comes naturally. You know, it, it's just so easy. I say, think of one word and they think of one word and it's a random word, you know, <laughs> a bus right. driver, you know, uh, or whatever. And I'm like, well, that's not really one word, but <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> that's what, you know, they just think in such simple terms and that makes mindfulness easy for them.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great example. And I love the work that you do with kids. I, as kids, things are so much simpler. We allow ourselves to be in that state of flow and to go with wherever the energy uh, or even the emotions take us, right? And as adults, we start to learn, oh, well, I, I have the ability to control some of this. And, and actually, that might serve me in some ways. But I think we can actually start to find ourselves on the other end of the spectrum at some point where we're too controlling and that can also do us a disservice. And so it's it's really helpful to get back to this place of becoming more mindful and allowing ourselves to be in a state of ease and oh what is what is it like to experience this thought or this emotion and and it's okay if that happened. Okay, I can just observe that and there doesn't have to be anything wrong with that and
0: Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. And, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you is about your clients. I know you've worked with a lot of clients. And if a client comes to you and they say, you know, Kim, I just feel stuck. You know, I've, I've been places where I've achieved and I've accomplished a lot of great things, but lately things haven't been happening. What do you do? What's your first step to take them to that point where they feel like they're moving forward again with momentum?
1: That's such a great question. I, I think that, um, it's always about where the client is in that moment. So for people who have had success before, and now they're in a space of feeling stuck and like they, they can't move forward. I think of it as like unraveling a necklace that is all tangled up. Just start with where are we right now? Just start with the present moment. What's in front of us? take a look at that. And just like with the necklace, you start to find, okay, here's the first little, little knot. We can start to lift this up and, oh, look, as we take a look at this one area, oh here's the next little piece and we can, okay, let's shift that a little bit. And then what, what do we find next after that? So it's not about, it's not about, you know, eating the whole cake at once, right? It's bite-sized chunks, one step at a time. And knowing that by just taking it one step at a time, the next step is going to reveal itself. It always does. So there's a level of trust that starts to play into it. And being with a coach is a great way to be able to allow yourself to relax into a state of trust. You don't have to do this on your own. So that's, that's my approach is starting with where we are and taking it in bite-sized steps
0: Right, and what do you do when you um, when you talk about something with with your client, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, we're going to achieve this and this and this by the next call," and then you get to the next call, and they really haven't achieved those those things.
1: I think that's a great question. I think when we have been in that space of being so focused on the the challenge or the problem, the issue, we don't realize what successes and new ahas we may have also had, but we just got so used to disregarding them. So I take them through, let's reflect back on, on what happened. And I'm able to easily pinpoint, Oh, but look right there. Look at that. You had a success right there. Or, you know, or, Oh, well, you know, whatever new thing happened in their life, able to point out that something did shift that they have just been oblivious to that they've just ignored. And it's, you know, I had, I had one client recently, I've been doing these 90-minute limiting beliefs coaching sessions. Most of my my coaching packages are, are three months or longer, but I've been having some really great success with these limiting belief sessions. And I have one client who she really wanted to work on her beliefs around love and being able to be in a relationship and feel safe and secure and, and being able to love and trust someone else again. And we kept kind of coming at it from different angles and she wasn't really getting there. And finally, it occurred to her, oh my goodness, the answers have been there all along. She is, for her, she's an empath. And so she feels emotions and energy around her very deeply. And that can also start to make us think that when we're picking up on other energies and and thoughts around us, that they're all ours. And that's not necessarily the case. And so I was able to help her to start to separate from some of that, see what's hers, what's not. And then also identify that, oh my goodness, her heart, which she thought was something that was made her weak, was actually her greatest asset, her greatest strength, and has actually been protecting and guiding her all throughout her journey. And she just didn't realize it. So, it's really being able to pinpoint what's been happening and highlight the parts that can be so easy for us to overlook because maybe we're, maybe we're picking up on beliefs that other people have and claiming them as ours. And it's, it's, it's really helpful to become clear on what is your truth and what is not. So that's, you know, that's one of the things that I really help my clients do is decide, you know, What is theirs? What's not? And, you know, what do you want to claim and what do you want to create new moving forward?
0: So Kim, what do you think is your greatest strength as a coach?
1: Oh, I love that. Okay. So I would say that the non-judgment piece, it is so important to feel safe in a coaching session. And, you know, I, I, you know, coaches are people too. I'm a, I'm a person too. I've had my own deep, darkest moments and thoughts. And I know how, how challenging and isolating it can feel to be in that space and to be working your way out of it. And in order to work your way out of it with a coach, because the coach is going to help you to be able to get there quicker. It's, imperative to know that you can be free and share whatever thoughts you have to not have to feel like you have to restrict and control your thoughts while you're in this session with someone who's supposed to also help you right you want to know that this is your ally this is your advocate and anything you share in this session is safe it's okay it's not going to be shared anywhere else absolutely by no means and you know I'm not going to have a judgment about it I think it's so easy to think that we are our thoughts. I know this has been said many times. We are not our thoughts, but it can be easy to believe that we are. So it's important to start to realize we actually do have a choice in what we believe. And by separating ourselves from our thoughts and taking that observer stance and realizing, okay, wait, do do I like this thought? Is this my truth or not? And... Being able to feel safe about doing that with a coach, sharing whatever those, those thoughts are that may freak us out and then go, wait a second, let's just observe this together. I'm, you know, it's, I think that's my greatest asset with, with a client is really being able to be there side by side with them and say, it's okay, we're going to do this together. You don't have to be on this journey alone.
0: So what does your ideal client look like? Who is that person?
1: So I say heart-centered professionals because it really encompasses the variety of clients that I work with. Heart-centered professionals to me are anybody who puts their heart into who they are and into what they do. So that can look like a teacher, a social worker. It can look like uh, another someone else who's involved in personal development. So a, a coach, a a therapist, an energy healer. But it's also it's also you know, the heart-centered police officer. I say that coming from, uh, you know, I used to work in a police department and I was able to see firsthand how many people you might perceive on the outside of as having this hard exterior actually are incredibly heart-centered. And it's, it's from their past experiences that they even got into that career role in the first place. And so, So anybody who comes from that place on the inside and they're learning to bridge that gap between their head and their heart, learning to actually acknowledge the value of their emotions and are ready to stop denying them, realize the strength and the assets that their heart brings to who they are and how they connect with the world. So uh, those are some of my clients. I've also got people who are in the process of learning to embrace more of, who they are, which often has a link back to our heart and emotions, but people who might be in this space of, of ident of, of deciding, you know, who am I? And a lot of times I find those are people who are in the process of accepting their sexuality and they may not feel safe or accepted by those around them. So those are some of my favorite clients because I, I love helping them see how, um, no, they're actually perfect the way that they are and to help shine a light on their strengths and the gifts that they bring to the world by being who they are, not by trying to conform and shift and shape themselves selves into, into something that they think they're supposed to be or something that other people have told them they're supposed to be.
0: I think. These days, there is so much focus on, you know, gender, sexuality, you know, people are starting to realize I don't have to be trapped believing that I am a person that I don't feel like I am. I know that my son's in high school and, and uh, a couple of times he's talked about some people that uh, are struggling and I'll say, oh yeah, I, I know that girl. And he said, well, she's gender fluid and they have these kinds of terms that I, you know, in previous years was not familiar with. Do you see yourself as someone who can really help someone who has these kind of identity crises?
1: I I do. I absolutely do. And I used to question, you know, well, you know, do I have to then have the same sexuality, right? Or have to have experienced that same exact situation as them? No, I do not. I simply, um, we simply just, you know, any connection. So here's the thing. So anyone who's dealing with any form of self-acceptance, it doesn't matter what the context is. I, I know I've dealt with that in my own role, um, deciding to leave a, you know, a stable career as a crime analyst and pursue my dream of being a coach and being more public with my podcast hosting. I mean, that was a huge contrast and really took me through my own journey of self-acceptance. So it's not about the context of what led you there necessarily. It's about, have you had your own journey of the underlying um, feelings and emotions that you experienced on the journey to your, you know, of self acceptance for yourself. So, and that's just one of my stories. So that's my answer to that. But may I share with you a a personal story that I also linked? Yeah. So thank you. So, something that was was really upsetting for me was about 5 6 years ago 2 weeks after my uncle died i found out that a few weeks before he died he started telling the family that he was gay oh. he started and it was only a select few uh, family members and friends and i couldn't believe that my 53 year old uncle didn't feel safe until just before he was about to die, to start to share something that was so critical and key to who he is. And there's a key piece of information that I realized left out. He pretty much lived his entire life as, as a bum, as a transient. Mm -hmm. So my 53 year old bum uncle didn't feel safe his entire life to share who he was at the core until it was time for him to transition over and, and to leave. And you are none of us are our sexuality. However, I think we can also understand that that is a a key component to just who we are. You know, it's it's not something we question. It's just something we we feel about ourselves and feels right or doesn't feel right. And even if someone's in a space of still trying to figure that out, that's okay. But it's something that's so foundational to who we are that to feel that you can't even share something like that, I mean, think of how many conversations you might have with people about relationships in general, right? So if, if, you know, if you're heterosexual, how many relationships do you have with people about like, oh yeah, you know, men, this, or women that, or, you know, this is my experience. And if you don't even feel safe to have those kinds of conversations and be able to share your personal experiences, wow, how many, how many connections are we cutting ourselves off from with other people from something as basic as that? So, you know, I just, I, I I don't want anyone feeling that they can't share who they are at the core of who they are because of fear from wherever it may come from. I don't know where my uncle's fear came from, but I, I did witness the life choices that he took and the fact that he, he was repeatedly offered help through friends and family to, not to be living a transient lifestyle. And to see that he repeatedly went back to that. Um, and he was an intelligent guy. He was an intelligent, creative, witty, funny person. And so, you know, the, the links to me seem quite obvious. And um, if I can prevent anyone else from feeling like they have to make choices that, that don't allow them to be their greatest self and to to feel safe in who they are, then I, you know, I'm grateful for that opportunity.
0: Kim, that's a very poignant story. Thanks for sharing that with us. Now, any one of you who have have seen Kim's new book will know how passionate she is about mindfulness. It just comes right across and it's a beautiful book. I do not have it here in my hands, but the book is called You Are Loved. Why did you decide on those three words for the title of your book?
1: That's a great question and thank you for asking it. So, I will say that initially it really was about me, you know, tapping into what's the message that what's the message that wants to be delivered at this time through this book and through these photos? What is that message? And that was, you are loved. Um, we actually initially titled it self-love and then we decided to shift it up and make it more, um, direct and personal to the reader. That message is true for everybody. You are loved. And of course, as time went on and I got deeper into the book, I realized this in many ways was a message that I would love to give my uncle that he is loved. And it's also a message that I give to myself from when I was a kid and struggling with negative self-talk when I was a teenager more so and learning to overcome that myself. That's a whole journey I went through, but it's for everybody. We get so used to observing the world through our eyes and thinking that what we see out there is the only reality. And it's really about going back inward and going, wait a second. No, no, no. What's what's true for me on the inside? And then how can I reflect that outwardly and start to create more of that? So it stems from connecting back to the truth of who we are, which is that we are loved and we are loved and really knowing that and embracing it.
0: Would you share... Uh, a page or two with us now I know many of you are listening to the audio only version of this so we we can tell you a little bit about what we see but I know Kim that you've teamed up with a photographer and you have incredible photos tell us about it and and just share a little bit with us
1: Absolutely. So the book is called you are loved An inspired meditative visual journey. And the photography is done by Liz Acar. It's her original images of the Florida keys and specifically Key West. And she's also a coach as well. And, and then yes, paired with a guided meditation, I wrote specifically for these images. This wasn't just slapped together. Oh, let's use some photos. Let's use together a meditation. I wrote a long time ago, kind of stick them together. Now, a lot of time and, and intention went into how this book was put together for a, a unique experience for the reader. So the very first page I will use, um, I will show you because I know it relates to some of what you talk about. Take a moment and breathe.
0: Absolutely, yes.
1: And then we go right into breathe in this moment. And mm-hmm. I don't want the microphone to be blocked, so I'll put the book down. But right. it's about really having an experience with the book, about allowing yourself to take in the words, take in the visuals, and to just go inward and and feel centered, feel grounded to remember who you are.
0: And the visuals are incredible. The photographs are just absolutely stunning. Did it take a long time to choose what photographs you would put into the book?
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes, Bruce. So, <laughs> so yes, yeah, Liz's photos are absolutely stunning. That is the word I like to use as well. And of course, like any photographer, she has a ton of photos. So when we were doing this, this project, which really was an inspired project, uh, to begin with, we weren't really sure where we were going to take it next we were sifting through all her photos. What are the photos we want to use in this book? Which, you know, and she had so many. So yes, it took a long time and um, a lot of shifting around. But one picture we never deviated from or changed at all is the cover photo, which I absolutely love. It's this gorgeous orange with palm trees. And uh, you've really got a rainbow of colors in this, this cover. So
0: yes, beautiful. Where did you meet Liz?
1: You know, we actually attended the same coaching academy. I've I've done a few different uh, coach certification programs. And one of them was the quantum success coaching academy. So she and I are both certified law of attraction coaches. And uh, we're also both certified Reiki master practitioners. So we've got that whole uh, energy healing, as well as, you know, being mindful and aware of your thoughts and how to manifest and create. So we were coming from that place together and then combined our additional talents.
0: Do you remember the first time you ever heard of the law of attraction?
1: Oh, gosh. So for me, it goes back to right around 2006, the book, The Secret. Yes. So, yeah, that that was my first... Um, taste of the law of attraction and i just remember i could not get enough of it bruce i so i I saw the movie and then i learned there was a book and i read the book and then i watched the movie again and then i got my boyfriend at the time into it and he was a little more religious so then he found a movie there was like the law of attraction for christians or something like that so then he you know got into that version and i just i i just like I couldn't get enough of it. And of course, it wasn't until years later that I even uh, realized, oh, I can take this further and, and really absorb and learn about it. And it's so much more than just, you know, what you think and what you see. There's, there's, there's so much more to it. But um, I, I love law of attraction.
0: <laughs> right. And as you look back at your own life, can you see where the law of attraction has played a part?
1: Absolutely. It's always playing a part. So it's not just about, um, it's, it's not only happening when we're manifesting something desired. It's happening even when we're manifesting those things we don't desire. And that's what's so key about really knowing that we do have the ability to shift our thoughts. If we've been in a space of an, you know, negative self-talk and for so long that we've developed a certain momentum, We may think that this is all there is. And then our reality then starts to reflect that back to us. It's simply because there's a momentum built up there. And if we just simply choose to say, okay, you know, I want to shift this momentum. I'm going to just choose right now to become more aware of my thoughts. I may not know how to have positive self-talk. That may, that may not make any sense to me, but I would like to experience something different and then just start to have that awareness and those moments when Oh, wait, I just did it again. I just went on a whole long, you know, long <laughs> diatribe in my own head of like beating myself up, being my own worst bully. And okay, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. And when I first started, this is what it was. It was, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. This is awful. I've got to stop doing this and having these moments of, oh, I just did it again. Oh, we just did it again. <laughs> <laughs> and the more I allowed, I, you know, I stayed with the intention of wanting to shift that I was able to shorten that amount of time that it took to identifying in the moment. Oh, I'm doing it right now. Okay. Oh, I was just about to do it. Okay. No, no, no. Choose a different thought right now. And then, then actually before I even get to the space of the negative self-talk, then, Oh, I want to choose a positive thought. So the, the way that this all links to law of attraction and manifestation is because we are, we aren't our thoughts, but we have the ability to start to manifest what we're thinking. Any thought we think over time becomes a belief. And once you believe something, your chances of manifesting that belief are so much greater. So that's why mindfulness is so key to being able to shift our reality in the direction of what we actually desire.
0: And what are some of the real tools you use for mindfulness in your life? I know meditation is one of them, but I'd love you to tell us more about what you do in your life at, related to mindfulness.
1: Well, breathing—that is one of them. Breathing, also just taking time to go, okay, you know, observe my surroundings. This, this is where I am in this present moment. Placing my my hand on my uh, my heart and my stomach, and connecting with my body I used to not understand what that meant of be present in your body just taking a moment to feel feel your body underneath your hands can go oh yeah that's right I kind of was somewhere else just now wasn't I and (laughs) and bringing ourselves back into our body grounding our energy and being connected in that way that's a great way to to become more mindful
0: Right. It sure is. When you were a, a young child, were you a dreamer?
1: I was a dreamer in the sense that I always felt a sense of something greater. And I always felt a sense of purpose ever since I was a kid. And so I was a dreamer in that sense, but I was also someone who, who did get caught up in my head a lot. Um, I'm, uh, I'm a, I'm a Libra, I'm an air sign. And I've, I've, <laughs> I've spent some time learning about that because I'm like, okay, that, that helps me. So, you know, these air signs, we can be really good and, and, in, in our thoughts, um, but we can also get caught up in our thoughts. So I experienced a lot of that when I was a teenager and that was, that's where my journey began on being able to shift thoughts.
0: Right. Well, it's fascinating to hear all about you. You have a fantastic podcast called Every Day is a New Day. Where did you come up with the name for that?
1: You know, that was not the first title. So it used to be titled Perk Up with Kim. (laughs) And, And eventually I realized Every Day is a New Day really embodies that essence of knowing that we can experience a new day, that whatever momentum we have created so far, we can choose to shift that. And there's always hope. We aren't alone. And so every day is a new day really just encompassed uh, that that essence for me. And I also have this thing with with trees and seeing sunshine and bright, uplifting images. And so to me, every day is a new day, you know, also embodies that.
0: Well, it's a very refreshing podcast to listen to. And I love how you share so much of your viewpoints and your thoughts and ideas. And it's, it's very generous of you to share so much because it's a real learning experience when I tune into your podcast.
1: Thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate that. I have this year started to do something a little new where I incorporate more solo episodes of sharing my thoughts. You know, it's important to me when I'm interviewing someone I really want to make sure to be able to tell their story, allow them the space to tell their story. But I've, I've also learned as a podcast host and, and, you know, maybe you can identify with some of this is that it's a two-way conversation and it's, right. it's not right. It's, yeah, it's, it's not just a one-sided, a one-sided conversation it's a two-sided conversation if we're gonna have a conversation it's gotta be two people so yeah. it's it, you know that's when I started to learn okay you know what yeah let's let's infuse some of, of my learnings and awareness here too because this is both of us so anybody out there who's thinking of podcast hosting it's totally okay to do that I used to think that it, it wasn't for a while but I um I I enjoy the process myself as a host by doing that as well
0: So Kim, were you ever bullied in your life? Do you have a story you can share with us about bullying?
1: I will first say that I have been my biggest bully. So that's ultimately what I think of when I think of bullying. The own um, negative self-talk, gosh, pattern that I used to have for myself. That really doesn't make sense where it came from. Um, But that's first and foremost. So I've learned no one can be a bigger bully to me than myself. But secondly, yes, there were a couple of instances as a kid where someone was bullying me. And it's very scary. It's very unsettling. There was a fourth grade where there was this guy, he was a, a big guy and he was also in fourth grade, he was a big fourth grader. And he used to, he used to name call. I think he threw gum in my hair once. I mean, it makes sound like simple things, but it doesn't you know, it doesn't take a lot for a fourth grader. That's, that's a big deal. And I remember the school officials and teachers coming back and saying, Oh, he just has a crush on you. He just likes you. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe that's true, but I I still don't deserve to have all this, you know, the name calling or the, the gum throwing. And it's, it's can be very damaging to, to experience the bullying, but also know that the people who are there to help protect you aren't actually really doing anything about it. So that's one instance. There was another instance later as a teenager where uh, there was this girl. I don't remember the details, but again, it was someone that was um, physically much larger than me, and she was getting up in my face, yelling at me. I think it had something to do with she was actually bullying someone else, and I was trying to stand up for that other person. So then she, you know, started targeting me, and it's an incredibly unsettling experience physically in your body where you can start to lose focus on what you even think, you know, like, what do I do? Fight or flight, you know, what, what's going on in this moment. And even if it's just happening for a matter of seconds. So that's another thing I help my clients with is really being able to, Practice being more grounded and centered in your body, regardless of whatever chaos or, you know, whatever is happening around you. Knowing that you can remain in your power and stay centered and focused, regardless how uh, however other people choose to be around you.
0: Right. Well, uh you know, it's great to have the mindfulness mindset to understand how to deal with some of this stuff. And it it sounds like, you know, you've really helped quite a number of people with this as well.
1: I i believe so, absolutely, yes. Oh yeah, my, the whole grounding and centering piece tends to play a large role with my clients and being able to connect back to who they are, to remember how awesome they are and actually allow themselves to, own their strengths, own their greatness. I feel like that is so pivotal to being able to step back into a space of confidence. You have to know who you are and you have to allow yourself to own that and then be that. So so that's something I help my clients with a lot.
0: Yeah, that's great. Kim, as we move forward in the interview, I wanna ask you five quick answer questions, if that's okay. The first one is this, who is one person who influenced mindfulness in your life?
1: Okay, just one person. I'm going to say Oprah, and I feel like that's such a <laughs> everyone probably says that. But Oprah, she's inspiring. There are no limits, and um, and I, I just I, I love who she is as a role model.
0: How has mindfulness affected your emotions?
1: It supports me in allowing me to feel my emotions. So I know a lot of other people, they talk about mindfulness, being able to help control their emotions. I was already really good at that. So I was on the other end of the spectrum where I needed to actually loosen the reins and start to allow myself to feel my emotions, knowing that I'm also not my emotions and to be more mindful of, Oh, when am I trying to prevent or block my emotions? Because when I'm doing that, then I'm restricting flow in my life.
0: We've talked about breathing a little bit, but can you sum up how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice?
1: It's the beginning of what I do. It's the beginning of any meditation session that I do. And it's also something that I do throughout my days uh, when I'm noticing that maybe I'm getting carried away, overwhelmed, I can just stop and I start to take a handful of slow, deep breaths. And that helps me, you know, recenter.
0: Now I highly recommend your book. You are loved. It's it's a beautiful book, beautiful, inspiring book. But are there any other books you would recommend that are related to mindfulness?
1: Yes. So, taming your gremlin by Rick Carson. I mm-hmm. am loving this book. I'll be honest. I actually just started reading it myself, um, but it's it's amazing and it's fantastic for being coming more mindful, but also stepping away from self sabotage.
0: Very good. I'll put that in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com so you can check all this out. And one last question, and that is, um, do you recommend an app of any kind that can help with mindfulness?
1: I love Insight Timer. So it's a great meditation app. Of course, it has more than just meditations on there. But I have a meditation on there as well called Get Grounded and Regain Inner Peace. Anyone can just go there and listen to you. And And um, it's a fantastic app
0: get grounded, regain inner peace. So go to Insight Timer and check that out. It's I-N-S-I-G-H-T, Insight Timer. I use it too. It's a great, great app. So Kim, that's fantastic. And where can we find you? Where can we connect with you, Kim?
1: So they can go to, people can go to my website, kimonealcoaching.com and O'Neal is O-N-E-I-L-L. But of course I'm also on social media. So on Facebook, it's, at Kim O'Neill coaching and it's titled the every day is a new day show and coaching page. I'm also on Instagram at every day is a new day show. And I look forward to connecting with people. So if, if you, if you connect with me on social media, please reach out and let me know that you heard me on, on mindfulness mode podcast.
0: Absolutely. And it's Kim O'Neill and it's O'Neill with two L's. So yeah, check it out. Check out her beautiful website and get over there. So Kim, thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode today.
1: Thank you, Bruce. I love who you are and your show. And it's, this is such an honor. So thank you for this opportunity.
0: Thank you. Bye now. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, this sleep naturally guided meditation that I have for you, just for mindful tribe members. It's to help you receive the deep, easy sleep that you deserve. Sleep naturally and you'll be able to fall asleep easily, get more work done tomorrow and feel better about it. Rest comfortably without effort.